What is happening, Nets world? You know what it is, the Believe in Nets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, your one-stop shop for everything happening across the sports and entertainment world. I'm your host, Eric Slater, Brooklyn Nets beat reporter for ClutchPoints.com, and we're doing something we haven't done in a while, and that's recapping a Brooklyn Nets loss 121 to 112 to the Chicago Bulls snaps a 12 game win streak for Brooklyn. That's the most by any team in the league this season and the third longest in franchise history. Nets had won 19 of 22 coming into this one and somewhat of a frustrating loss because the Celtics have lost, I think, seven of their last 12 or something along those lines. And the Nets were only one game back of Boston heading into this one and had an opportunity or half game back of Boston heading into this one and had an opportunity to claim the league's best record had they won here but they couldn't get it done and it was despite another otherworldly performance from Kevin Durant who just continues to completely blow people's minds with one of the best seasons of his career and just a historically efficient offensive start to the year 44 points on 15 of 22 shooting and 5 of 10 shooting from three and this one for KD also had four rebounds five assists two blocks one steal just an unbelievable overall effort by KD and that's really came out with some lackadaisical effort defensively allowed Chicago to score 44 points 40 points in the first quarter on 17 of 23 shooting really had some defensive miscues were you know laid on some rotations on some assignments and a, a big product of that was Nikola Vucevic who torched Brooklyn all night finished with 21 points but really had it going early 8 of 12 shooting from the field and it's really a tough matchup for the Nets because with Vucevic's ability to post up mismatches, that's really tough against Brooklyn's switch everything scheme. And then also, he's pulling Nick Claxton out onto the three-point line because of his ability to shoot threes, which is taking away one of you know the Nets' only high-level rim protector out from under the paint. So it really opens up some driving lanes and other things. So Nets couldn't get it done offensively. The refs, you know... If you followed the game or were following Nets Twitter during this one, the refs were very, very bad. Honestly, the whole game and really in the first half, it was pretty egregious. Even just looking at it objectively, if you're taking out a Nets lens, they were just bad. A lot of late calls, missed some big calls, at least three within a four-minute span in the second quarter. They missed. They, you know That would have gone the Nets' way. But either way, the Nets just didn't come out with the defensive energy that was necessary in this one. And they really struggled from three. And that made them, you know, that rendered them incapable to recover from the hole that they dug themselves. They were down by 18 in the first half and in the second quarter. And a KD just exploded at the end of the half to pull the Nets into 10. And they made a run in the second half and cut it to three at several points. But they weren't able to get over the hump. And that was really a product of the supporting cash just not playing well. I mean, I'm going to start with Kyrie Irving. Didn't play bad. He had 25 on 10 of 24 shooting, but the three-point struggles were really what killed Brooklyn. Kyrie was only one of eight from three, and Seth Curry was the only other net to show up from on the perimeter outside of Durant. Durant was five of 10 from three. Curry finished with 22 points on six of seven from three and was really outstanding after seeing his minutes cut in, you know during Brooklyn's recent hot streak. He was six of seven from behind the arc, so that's 
11 of 17 between KD and Seth Curry from the perimeter, from the three-point line. But outside of those two, the Nets were 1 of 20 on the night. 1 of 20 from three, and that really just did them in in the second half. They were, you know, they cut it to three at several points. They were mounting comebacks, but they were just not able to get over the hump, and they weren't able to hit shots outside of uh, KD and Curry. And, you know, the Nets have four wings who've really been huge for them during this win streak and just this recent hot stretch. And that's Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, TJ Warren, and Utah Watanabe. Those guys, you know, they've been good collectively in a lot of games. And then, you know, the Nets have had two or three out of those four have really just played at an extremely high level during the win streak and, you know, even a little bit prior to that. But those four could not hit the broad side of a barn. They could not buy one from three if they were buy one, get one free from the 99 cent store. That group was one of 17 from the field and Royce O'Neal really, really struggled in this one. He was 0 of 9 from the field, 0 of 8 from 3. And, you know, Royce has been a a streaky shooter all season. He's shooting it well percentage-wise, but as you can see, you know, I tweeted it during the game, Royce is either often really hot or he's ice cold. I mean, there there has been, you know, he's had long stretches where he was hitting everything, and that was really the case, you know, heading into this one for Royce. He got a lot of hate on Twitter because this was just an egregiously bad performance. And, you know, anytime you're 0 of 8 from 3 and you're missing those 3s badly, it's it's going to reflect poorly on you. But you got to remember that Royce was extremely hot heading into those, this one. He shot 47.4% from 3 on 5.2 attempts per game in December. And heading into this one, Royce was 19 of 31. That's 61.3% from deep over his last 6 games. So he was due for a rough one. I mean, this was as you know just about as rough as it could get. But he was due for one. And, you know, Jock Vaughn made a decision that I thought was very puzzling to leave him in the game down the stretch. He played a large chunk of the fourth quarter and was in the game in the final minutes over Joe Harris, over Utah Watanabe. And, you know, that decision by Vaughn was, uh, you know, in the only explanation is that, you know, Royce was extremely hot, as I just said, 19 of 31 over his last six, over 47% from three in December. And Jock Vaughn had the trust in him down the stretch to leave him in the game and that he would find his stroke law of averages. But that just didn't happen. And there were two threes that, you know, Chicago took advantage of Royce struggling and Jock Vaughn leaving him in the game. They were doubling KD and Kyrie down the stretch. Royce got two wide open looks and he just, he couldn't hit them. And they weren't even close. That was in the final minutes with the Nets trying to mount a comeback. There was another play where KD got the ball in the elbow, double came. Royce was wide open on the wing. He looked him off and went to Seth Curry, who wasn't open in the corner. And, you know, Royce just, he didn't have it down the stretch, but Jock Vaughn made the decision to roll with him. I completely disagree with it. I think when you see a guy is having that kind of night with those kinds of struggles, Royce missed the last game with a non-COVID illness. And he was just, he was off tonight. I mean, the threes weren't even close. They weren't they, they weren't, you know, online. And that's a that's a big indicator of, you know, whether, you know, a guy is even close on his threes. They were either left or right. And when they were online, which is few and far between, they were short, which is just a bad sign. But Jock, Jock um, decided to roll with him down the stretch. It didn't work out. But, you know, I thought he had a good rationale for why he did so. And he spoke on it postgame. So, you know, here's what Jock Vaughn had to say about that decision to roll with Royce late despite his extended struggles. I hope uh, that he realized that um, um, I have extreme amount of confidence in him to play him 35 minutes and um, miss his first shot, miss his second shot, and we're going to continue to have confidence in him. He, 
I love Co Coach and Royce, and uh, he'll continue to be out there, and he'll get those shots, and he'll make them. So, you know, I, I like that answer from Jock Vaughn because it's, it means a lot, and I think it goes a lot longer than people realize in players' eyes when you show that vote of confidence and you have the, those things to say about them. And it's, you know, if you're going to make that decision, which I didn't agree with, you want it to be for a reason like that. And when you look at the numbers from Royce, as I said, you know, leading into that quote, it is justifiable for him to leave Royce in the game and, you know, think that he's going to find his stroke. But... You know, I would have gone in a different direction with the extent of Royce's struggles heading into that one. You know, and then obviously Joe Harris, Utah Watanabe, TJ Warren need more from them. You know, Utah only played what did he play? He played six minutes in this one, only took two shots, and was really taken out of the game by some really, really bad foul calls. There were three foul calls on Utah in this one that were just awful calls by the refs. So I it's hard to put blame on him given he only played six minutes, couldn't get in a rhythm. You know, what's really more concerning to me is Joe Harris, 19 minutes, one of five from the field, only 0 of two from three. And we've seen Joe's, you know, he missed four games, came back for Brooklyn's last game, the win over San Antonio. And it looked really good in that one. So not too concerning, but Joe Harris's volume, his usage has gone down a lot this season. His overall three-point attempts have gone down. And you'd like to see him get those a little bit, you know, get those up a little bit more because historically, obviously, he's an extremely high-level three-point shooter. And the Nets need as much... You know, you want those guys to have the get the number of shots necessary and have the rhythm heading into the later stage of the season. I mean, Joe, 4.9 attempts per game this season. That's his least since 2017, 2018. So the volume just hasn't been there. And he's only shooting 38.4% from deep on those 4.9 attempts. But a large part of that was early struggles. And Joe was starting to break out of that in 10 games prior to his four-game absence with the left knee soreness. But, you know, in those 10 games prior to that, he was over 60% from the field. He was over 50% from three. So he was starting to find his rhythm, albeit on some lower volume. But you'd like to see him keep that, you know, get some more touches, get some more looks, and be able to build on that. But it really seemed like that four-game absence halted some momentum. And in this one, he just he didn't have the rhythm going, only got up five shots and wasn't able to convert. TJ Warren played 14 minutes, 0 of 2 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3, you know, also did not have the rhythm going and really just wasn't getting his looks. Only, you know, like I said, only took two shots, only had, I think, one shot going baseline off of a late touch that I think was a good look and only one shot that he really got an ISO look or anything in rhythm. So, you know, not a great game for TJ and he left in the fourth quarter with a rib contusion after he, you know, got hit with an illegal screen from one of Chicago's big men. So Jock Vaughn said he didn't know whether he's going to get scans. He doesn't know the extent of the injury. It doesn't look like it's too serious, but something to monitor with TJ and a guy who has really been huge for the Nets over this recent stretch, averaging over 11 points per game, shooting over 60% from the field, I think, during Brooklyn's win streak. So he's had some, you know, rough performances sprinkled in, you know, two after that uh, he played really well against San Antonio, played otherworldly at 23 points in that huge win over the Cavs last week. Other Since then, has had two games where he wasn't in rhythm a lot, but you know he's exceeded expectations by leaps and bounds in his 14 or 15 games he's played since coming off that two-year two absence with the stretch fracture in his foot. So overall, just taking a step back, had to be extremely happy where TJ is, even though he didn't really provide anything in this one, but just have to be happy with where he is. And he's really ahead of the timeline. And guys have spoken on that about what you could expect from him coming off of a two-year absence. So hopefully the rib injury isn't any, anything serious, but I still feel extremely good about what TG, TJ has offered You know, over that sample size. Um, moving on through the Nets 
supporting cast. The last two guys we got to touch on are Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton. I'll start with Simmons, who I was really disappointed with Ben Simmons' performance in this one. Had seven points, nine rebounds on three of five shooting. And those five shot attempts, that's just not enough for Ben. I mean, when the supporting cast is struggling, like I said, you know, even Kyrie didn't have it going from three. Kevin Durant's going nuclear in every way possible, whether it's offense, defense, rebounding, rim protecting, doing everything. You need Ben to be a little more aggressive. And he has been at points in prior uh, games, but I tweeted this out, and he's been great in some prior games. Don't get me wrong. I talked about his performance in the first half of the Cleveland win. I talked about his performance in the win against Milwaukee, and those are you know two of the best teams in the league, and he turned in really, really high-level performances. So those were great signs, but I tweeted it during the game, and you know something that's really stood out to me is with Kevin Durant and with Kyrie Irving just being otherworldly during this hot streak stretch for the Nets, offensively, it's allowed Ben Simmons to fade into the background somewhat. And he's still done amazing things, distributing, pushing the pace. I did a whole article on his brilliance last week. Um, distributing, pushing the pace, playing defense, rebounding. You know, he's done so many things that are great. But this Nets team and their you know, the best version of them, when you have a third best player who you're paying over $33 million a year at some time, at some point, sometimes on a night like tonight where the supporting cast can't do anything from the perimeter, you need him to be aggressive and make some plays offensively. And he just didn't do that. Like I said, only five shot attempts, and he's really not looking to attack the rim or create anything for himself. And we saw Ben had that eight to 10 game stretch in the middle of the season before he, um, left with, I think it was the calf strain that he missed three or four games with. But before that, he was getting to the rim. He was looking to create for himself. He was being aggressive in isolation. And it was really showing that he still had all of this left in him. And he was really starting to, looks like he was starting to turn a corner and return to his old self. And since that injury, he's had some great performances, but offensively in terms of aggressiveness and the self-creation and things you want to see that you've seen him do in the past, He's kind of taken a step back there. And, you know, he, he has some of these plays I've, I've noticed that. And the shots have really started to fall, you know, during that stretch that I spoke on, you know, before the absence. And even over this recent stretch where, you know, he takes these turnarounds, he gets down low, he backs in, he takes these turnarounds. And they've, you know, been falling. But it's just, it's a theme with Ben on, on a, even those turnarounds and a lot of shots. This guy's six foot ten. He's two hundred and forty plus pounds. He's fading away on so many of these shots. Albeit they're going in, you know these turnarounds, little flick push shots, and he's had great touch on them. And I think that's just a positive sign and really good to see overall. But when he's backing down, he's creating all the space. You would like to see just some of these shots just finish going towards the basket. You don't have to fade away. And you know that's what you're seeing with Ben far too often. It's on these shots. He's doing this little turnaround where he's fading away and just trying to hit this little, you know, that little flick, push, baby hook. When when you create that little bit of separation with the bump, Ben can just you can reach over the top and just finish towards the basket. It doesn't always have to be a fadeaway. So that's something that I would like to see Ben improve on. And just overall with his handle, just you know trying to take some people to the rim and finishing over them. Obviously, the athleticism hasn't returned to where you hope it would yet. Hopefully, it starts keeps progressing as he stays healthy and you know keeps stacking some games on top of one another. But 
you know, so offensively in terms of scoring, that's something you would just like to see more. And then Ben really wasn't pushing the pace and wasn't the passing and the assists weren't there as much today. I thought he made some really, really poor decisions with the ball, you know, trying to make some passes that just weren't there, tried to thread the needle on a few backdoors to KD, had a really, really bad turnover in transition where he was kind of like trying to high step and, you know, push the ball and like almost sham got it. I don't know what he was trying to do, but he lost it. And, you know, that lack of pushing the pace, which Ben's really been unbelievable at, I wrote an article about it, is him just pushing the pace and finding three-point shooters during Brooklyn's win streak. That was really the vision heading into the season. And it was it was coming to fruition, just didn't see it in this one. And the decision-making in the half court was not good, and that's reflected in just two assists to four turnovers for Ben in, in this one, which is not something you've seen very often this season. He was a, a minus 14, um, minus five on the night, excuse me, and that, you know, just not one of Ben's better performances. And, you know, you really want to see him. He's, he's been very, very, very good during the win streak for Brooklyn. So I don't want to take anything away from it. He's going to continue to do what he does defensively on the glass, just as a high-level IQ player pushing the pace. You just like to see the aggressiveness in terms of the scoring ramp up in the half court because it's something eventually the Nets aren't going to get. You know, this this isn't, I don't think this is reality. I think this is an outlier in terms of the shooting variance in the negative direction. But also the Nets aren't going to get the outstanding three-point shooting every night from Royce O'Neal, from TJ Warren, from Utah Watanabe, from Joe Harris. And on those nights where, you know, it's more something in between what we saw tonight and what we've seen over the recent stretch, they're going to need Ben Simmons down the stretch of this season to contribute something in terms of self-creation on offense. So we're really going to need to see that. And it's really been trending in the wrong direction just in that one aspect of his game since KD and Kyrie have just exploded over this recent stretch. So like I said, the defense, the rebounding, you know, pushing the pace, all of that is going to continue. You just like to see that in the half court, that self-creation and that offensive aggressiveness. You'd like to see that, you know, kind of turn on its head moving forward and start to trend back in the direction it was prior to some of those absences for Ben Simmons. Last guy rounding it out is Nick Claxton. 11 points, 5 of 10 shooting, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 3 blocks. You know, it sounds like uh, you know, a very good stat line. And I think it says a lot about how Nick Claxton has performed this season that, you know, even despite that stat line, I, I thought this was one of Nick Claxton's, you know, not worst or not terrible by any stretch, just not his best game. You know, he, he, he missed some easy ones around the rim and he's five of 10 from the field, but that's a, you know, that's a bad shooting game for Nick Claxton. He's leading the league in something like 77% from the field this year. So five of 10, that's not up to his standards. And, you know, wasn't great on defense, wasn't bad, but, you know, just, you know, Nikola Vucevic, it was a tough matchup for Clax, as I touched on earlier, with him, you know, pulling, um, with it, with Vucevic, you know, able to post up and also able to pull Claxton away from the rim and take away some of his rim protection while also being a bigger body that makes it tough down low. So a tough matchup for Claxton. I don't think he had a bad game by any stretch of the imagination, but just not a good one either. And you needed a little bit more from him with all of these other guys struggling to the degree they're struggling. They were struggling tonight, especially on the perimeter. Um, one more thing just I forgot to touch on with Ben Simmons is the free throws. One of four from the free throw line in this one. And the misses, you know, they're they're not great. Some of the misses per, uh, in prior games have been in and out. They weren't great tonight. He does not look very confident in his stroke. And over Brooklyn's win streak, Ben hasn't been getting to the line a lot. And when he is getting to the line, he's not hitting his free throws. I mean, this is 
13 games now over Brooklyn's last 13 games. Simmons is one of 13 from the free throw line. So he's shooting 42% for the season now, and he was a 60% career shooter in his four years prior to this. So that's becoming an area of concern for Ben. Just like the, like I said, the lack of aggressiveness in terms of cell creation on offense is showing just in the fact that those free throw numbers, I mean, he's averaging one free throw a game at six foot 10, 240 pounds. That number needs to be way up. And on top of that, he's not hitting his free throws. And we know about Nick Claxton's struggles from the free throw line. So those two, I mean, it's not, it's not cause for panic, but it's it's something to monitor, and it's something that when you get into the playoffs and they have stretches where they're playing both of those guys, that's not going to be the case. They're not going to be playing both of those guys at the end of games, you would think, with those free throw struggles, even though they've played really well off each other at during Brooklyn's hot streak and they provide some great, outstanding defensive versatility. If you have those guys shooting that poorly from the free throw line, it's going to be tough to have one of them on the floor, let alone both of them, down the stretch of a, free th- of a playoff game when you give... You know, you need everybody to be confident and not worried about that stuff and be able to go to the basket. And you're also giving an opening for teams to go to a hack of Clax or a hack of Simmons, you know, as we've seen them do at points this season. So, you know, something to monitor for Ben in terms of just his lack of aggressiveness and how often he's getting to the line and also him shooting a career worst percentage from the line while on that low sample size. So something that's really got to be monitored, you know, overall, it's a... It's a hiccup for Brooklyn. They've still won 12 straight. They're still the second best record in the league, one game out of first place in the Eastern Conference after a 2-6, and 5-9 and nine start to the season. They've still won 19 of their last 23. They still have Kevin Durant playing at otherworldly level. They still have, I think, a very high-level supporting cast. And you know, tonight, more than anything, you'd like to see them come out with better defensive intensity, but it's a shooting variance night, as I said. It's not going to be a red-hot, scorching-hot shooting uh, performance from the supporting cast from Warren, Watanabe, Harris, O'Neal. It's not going to be this either, though. It's going to be something close to the middle, and on those nights, you'd just like to see more out of a Ben Simmons, and you'd like to see Kyrie Irving, as he had heading into this game, you know, have a little bit of a better three-point stroke going, but not a game that really worries me because I don't think the Nets are going to shoot this poorly, and you, know, you still have Kevin Durant playing at the level he's playing, and we've seen it historically when Kevin Durant's playing at this level you have a shot no matter what. And I do think the Nets over this recent stretch have shown that they have a supporting cast that is good enough to complement Katie's otherworldly offensive, you know, all around ability really, and put this team in a position to contend. So the Nets will, you know, follow this up. They'll close out a three-game road trip with stops in New Orleans on Friday and then Miami on Sunday. I'm actually going to be heading down to Miami and covering the game there. So excited to provide that. And, you know, I've, I like where this team's at and I like what we're seeing. You know, obviously this one not... Not great with the shooting, but overall, you can't. It's really difficult to be pessimistic about where the Nets stand right now after that disastrous start to the season. So hopefully they can bounce back against New Orleans. We'll be without Zion Williamson, who strained his hamstring, and hopefully they can continue this hot stretch and just continue to stack wins and really maybe push for that first place spot in the Eastern Conference. So that does it for Believe in Nets on the Believe Podcast Network. You guys can find all of my updates, news, analysis on Twitter at Eric Slater underscore. You can go to clutch, clutchpoints.com for my columns, you know, trade articles, updates, anything going on surrounding the team. Check all of that out there. I appreciate you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.